0: Amen, amen. We are ready today um, to receive what God has for us. If you're ready to receive his word, shout somebody. Amen, amen, amen. Before we get into the word of God today, um, just a quick, quick um, um, point of of importance. Easter, two weeks away. And with that, every single invite that we give um, to a person is is an invitation really to life. It's an invitation to truth. It's an invitation to change. It's an invitation. God has people's number, amen, amen. He knows exactly what they need, and every single person that we invite, I believe, can be a Holy Spirit kind of hookup to where God can can bring them to a place and an environment that he can begin to do a work in their lives. And and we know that the park where we're going to be going down there at the amphitheater, we know that that environment is something that is a starting point, but how many would say Easter Sunday morning downtown with tons of people there, it's a great starting point? Amen. So here's what I want you to do is you leave today out here. And I'm just serious. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just serious. I always say I'm just serious. When I say I'm just serious, that means I'm what? I'm serious. <laughs> As you leave here today, out here on this table, there are um, door hangers. Feel free to grab door hangers and use them in your own neighborhoods. Now, there's also door hangers in bags with maps. Those are specific neighborhoods that we're targeting. So look at those first because your neighborhood might be in. If it's not there and that's a neighborhood you want to take, take a bag and go hit them this week. You know? um, if it's not there, and grab a stack and take it to your neighbors and just hang it on their doors. Their door hangers, don't put them in their mailbox. We don't need a federal lawsuit, okay? And, um, but also, there's invite cards, and, and this is it. This is crunch time. We've got two weeks until that wonderful event, and every single life invited has an opportunity to see life change and life growth and, and a, the miraculous power of Jesus connect with them. And, I, and I'm not going to be um, so um, 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 I'm casual to say it. I'll just say it. Every single person that gets touched there has an opportunity to come here, and we get to disciple them in the things of Jesus, We get to take them into the things of faith and watch it change marriages and and, 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 and health and and the the relationships and self-identity and all those things that discipleship changes. Amen? And so it's important for us. I want us to grab a hold of those cards today. It's your church. Whose church? Yeah, it's your church. So grab those cards today, invite people to Easter, and God's going to do some amazing things that day. So now, this is our third week and final week in the Power, Grace, and Truth series. And as we've got into this each week, we've shown the race car on the screen, and, and with it, you can see there's different parts of that car, and if none of those parts are together, it loses its dynamic nature, you know? And so you need grace. And I told you the beginning of the first week, that was like that chassis that holds it all together we can't get one thing from jesus without grace amen and so that holds it all together and also that grace as we extend in people's lives it's something that we have in our life that allows us to take people with us you know on the journey um we looked last week at truth man if you missed last sunday please go back and listen to that truth is like the wheels that carry you down the road that god has for you where he's taking us but today everybody say real loud power Today we're looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, the person, the purpose, the the power of the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit's work in our life, man, you might have one sharp race car, but it got like a Volkswagen VW engine in it, you know. And somebody owned one of those in the 70s. It's like, that thing was powerful. Hush, Ross. No. No, but, but, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit powerfully in our lives and here's the thing about it. i'm just gonna tell you a little bit about my life um when i was young my dad came to faith in christ and and i was glad i had a good little baptist mama who who brought dad to church and dad was kind of a violent guy he was really really rough and i um, as a kid we just grew up with with um everything being broken in the house and and just ugly things i don't want to go into all the details because that's not who my dad is today but um it was ugly it was it was hell it was it wasn't good you know yeah, that was that's, and he went to to find refuge, and that's who you come home to to find peace, and that's who you come home to that's supposed to provide, and, and he was, he's a good provider, man, he kept us on pins and needles, and, and, and I don't want you to raise your hands, but some of you came from some backgrounds like that, you know, and so that was dad, and dad had an opportunity because mom, the good Baptist woman that she was, constantly would invite him to church, you know, and so he went to church, he, he went to, um, to service with, with mom, and, 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 and as, as we say, he got saved. Right, amen. And so he got out of Egypt. Egypt, God just brought him out of that Egypt. But it was a lot of years for God to get Egypt out of Dad. How, how many have been in that yourself? You know, it's like God brings you out, but you got to get the stuff out of you. You know. And 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 long story short, Dad began to um, um, teach at the at the local church that we went to and and so he's a sunday school teacher and they were youth sponsors and at church you know as praise the lord glory to god hallelujah all things are good and at home it was you know and at home we were in torment and at home we were in fear and at home i'm just not like i said i'm not going through all the details but it was just it was crazy you know and then dad went to a (laughs) he went to a revival service Where they told him that there was something more. Now listen, when I say something more, you can't get more saved, amen? I'm not saying that Jesus isn't enough, amen? But I'm saying there's something Jesus promised us. We're going to get there today. And if Jesus said there's something that we can embrace, it ought to be something we embrace, amen? And so with it, dad goes to a revival service. The power of God hits my dad. And dad ends up in the, the, the stairwell of this side part of the church. Prostrate before the Lord. He can't get up. He's slammed. He's towed up from the floor up, you know. As God did a work in his life. And I can remember as a young man at church seeing dad at different times. God just touched him and he just gets, just gets stunned by the power of God. And it was almost like this big old boy, this big strong guy. God was like, you could be weak in my presence and it's okay. And I'll fill you, Rick. I'll give you everything you need, Rick. I'll change the destiny of your family, Rick. And dad fought against a lot of stuff, I'm sure. I don't know what all his demons were. I know some. And when it came down to it, They started taking people from church because they were excited about what Jesus was doing. They're seeing miracles and signs and wonders. They start taking people to these revival services because God's doing something as church, present today, not just 2,000 years ago. The problem with that, the church was a cessationist church, which means they believed that all the gifts of the Spirit had seceded from the church. They left the church 2,000 years ago, and all we needed was just the word. Not that the word was something that taught us that we could have more, but we just, just the word, we don't need anything that's, that's supernatural. And so God's starting to do signs and wonders and miracles. And my mother was healed of asthma and my father was healed of bleeding ulcers. There was a woman in the church that was frustrated because everybody's getting miracles and she's not getting a miracle and her arm is short, you know, and every dress she has is made to a custom fit for that arm. And she's frustrated With Brother Gray, and I can't, or Greg, I can't get my miracle, and everybody's getting their miracle, and he said, Hush, honey, just go to sleep. It'll be okay. And she reached to turn the light off, and when she did, her arm extended. And every dress she had was short. You would think that would get a whole church excited, amen? It got them kicked out of church. Just being honest, they were asked to leave, you know. And the last time I remember my dad really giving me what I would call a beating, he stopped in the middle of it. And I thought, this is going to be a doozy, because he left. And I was wondering what he was going to come back with. And next thing I know, I hear my dad in his bedroom, and he's praying in tongues. You may not believe in that stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit today. But he's praying in tongues, and he's just crying out to God. To lean into the power God has. And God broke that off the life of my dad. Can you give God some praise in here? Amen. Hmm. From those early days of mom and dad getting a touch of the Holy Spirit like that, just to believe that God could do the supernatural and do the unexpected, my dad got addicted. And I'll just be honest, you know. And and, and looking back on it, it was his AA. And dad wasn't a drunk. People were like, was your dad an addict? No, no, he's just mean sober. He was. But it was like their AA, and I'm not exaggerating. My dad bought, he had a van that he put a bed in the back of the van, and for the next four years, most nights of the week, he would get done with work, and we would jump in that van, and he would go to some church service somewhere, and was that healthy? I don't know. But for him, it was his university. For him, it was his, he, he, it was his help. It was his AA. It was, it was man, 90 meetings in 90 days, and he believed in that, <laughs> And we were in that Holy Spirit kind of filled environment every night as a kid for just four or five years. My, my neighborhood's kids would be like, That's all you guys do is go to church. But I, I'm just going to tell you, all I cared about was Dad wasn't hitting me anymore. <laughs> Dad wasn't cussing the family. That wasn't screaming. That wasn't breaking the house up anymore. <laughs> and so that's my story about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's just powerful. And it's one of those things to where, when it comes to our faith in Jesus, I- I'm not saying that, 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 that won't, now you can see better, right? I'm not saying when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit that, that, um, the, that, that we should just chase the power and miss everything else. That's why we've been teaching balance here. You know, we have these circles like this. And as a church here at Momentum Church, I want to be a house that walks in grace. Amen? I want to be a house that walks in truth. That's why I've been teaching this. But, oh, my goodness, people, let us be a house that walks in power, too. Amen? Now, I've seen folk walk in power, and they get ugly. Like they got some special supernatural gift because they can speak in tongues or have a word of prophecy. Can I just tell you what that is? That's an ugly tongue talker. That's all that is. Ugly, tongue-talking believer. That's all that is, you know. (laughs) Can God use ugly tongue-talkers? Yes. Why? Because of them? No, because people have need. And so God will use them. I get that. But I don't want that. And then on the other side, there's some crazy stuff that's been done in Pentecostal church that was done that's extra-biblical outside of the parameters of Scripture. Amen? And so we can move in grace... And walk with the life of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit as Christ would have us move. But we can get off on truth and say, well, we're just moving in the power of God. You know? Well, that's not good. That's just truth and grace. We need power, truth, and grace. Amen? We need to find this sweet spot right, right here. Jesus, right here is where we want to be as a church. Right there. I'll give you a little practical example. You're a journey group teacher. And you're like, Pastor, I study and I study and I get ready for my journey group, but fear just overwhelms me. I just get so worried about leading that group, and I know that I'm walking out the things of Christ, Christ's life, awesome. Oh, I'm preparing myself, but fear grips me in that moment. You know what? That's awesome. You've leaned into grace and truth. Let's pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome your fear. Amen? Now you're a journey group leader, and you're getting crazy in your journey group. You know Doing stuff that's just way outside of the Bible, you know? It's like, well, this is great, you know? You, you, you've got power, you think, but it's not lined up with truth and we can bring correction to it. Isn't that cool? This is, this is something that I believe I want us into the future of our church to shape our culture. As we look to design this series back in October, the whole idea is for it to shape our culture as a church, I know there's people right now watching by Facebook Live, and that's awesome, and if you're a guest on Facebook Live, we welcome you here today, amen? Amen. But when it comes to it, and if you're a church person for Momentum and you're not here, man, you're going to miss out because you're not here. No, I'm teasing. But I I want those, though, to realize if you're watching online and you're part of our church or you're here and you're part of our church, this is a word for us, amen? This is for us. This is going to shape our culture because we need to be a people that walk in grace, truth, and power. And I want us to look at the scripture. Let's stand to our feet together as we look at this passage of scripture in Ephesians. And I've been wanting to drop this scripture all month. And I just keep every week pushing it forward. Like, no, it's just not time yet. It's just not time yet. But here's the word. This is Ephesians three sixteen through 19. I pray that from this glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's a good prayer. That's what Jesus wants for us. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, and your roots will grow down in God's love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We see here that your roots will grow down deep, that your roots will grow down deep into his love. Man, the word of God is the expression of his love. We want our roots to grow down deep into his word, amen? This is where our roots, this is what we're rooted in right here, that that you may experience the love of Christ. This grace that is infused in the life of Jesus in that he loved you so much even though while you were a sinner he died for you. I want to do that for folks that do me wrong and speak evil, evil of me. I want, I want us to have that kind of heart. Amen? That's how Jesus is. And he says here, this is what he wants over us. This is what that promise over us. And power. Amen? Right here. Power that comes from God. And so that's what we want as a church. We want to be able to have all Three of those things in play. And so let's just pray. And we're going to give God this service here in a few moments. And just let God do as God chooses in this house. Amen? Amen. Jesus, this is your place. This is your your house. It's not pastors. It's not not the boards. It's not the staffs. It's not any journey group leaders. It's your place. We just ask that your abiding presence would begin to permeate and saturate this place. Lord God, that that as that woman with the issue of blood reached out for the hem of the garment and that tangible anointing came and she felt that and Jesus even felt that virtue loo- loose from him. Lord God, would you allow a tangible anointing? Lord God, we would just declare in the name of Jesus a, a tangible anointing upon this house. And that today, God, we would have an encounter with your power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat if you would. And so when I say this idea that Jesus, I'm not saying he's not enough. I said that he would say... That you need this. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to understand the Holy Spirit. You need to embrace the things of the Spirit. This is what Jesus actually said. John 16, 7. And I'm going to read out the Amplified. I don't do that very often. I usually just give you the nuances of what the Greek or Hebrew is saying in those those verses. And in this, the Amplified version does it for us. So if you ever want to do a little bit of a word study, read the Amplified version. It does a lot of the work for you. It's really a good version for that. And the Amplified, you thought it just meant we're going to read loud. It's amplified, but in a sense it is. It gets louder in our understanding. Verse seven, but I tell you the truth. This is Jesus saying this. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus said it's expedient in another version. To expedite something means to to get it down the road faster and more efficient. And and so he's saying this is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you and you can be in fellowship with him. Now I want to read those little parenthetical inserts because when it says this helper that comes, the Greek nuances are these parenthetical inserts. So the helper's going to come to you. He's going to be a comforter. Man, there's people in this room right now. You need the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then when we begin to lean in, and I'm just going to be honest, you can lean in a lot of ways. You can lean into your word. You can lean into prayer. You can lean into fasting. You can lean into solitude, all the different disciplines of the faith. You can lean into worship. I'm just telling you, when you come into the house of the Lord and worship begins to go, that's a great... He leans back and he begins to support and hold you up and walk you through, you know? He's a comforter. Another thing he says, he's the advocate. You don't need to fight your battles when you're confident of your place in the Holy Spirit. He's the advocate. You know I'm standing in grace and I'm standing in truth. And you know what? If I'm standing in grace and truth, the power of his advocacy will stand for my integrity. The power of his advocacy in my life will stand and hold all things to be full of integrity and truthfulness. Amen? And so there, another thing, he's an intercessor. When you don't even know how to pray, he'll stand in intercession for you. Sometimes that's somebody praying, and God speaks to their heart to pray something. Sometimes that's praying in the Holy Spirit for yourself. And you don't know what you're saying, but you're praying in the Holy Spirit. And that intercession comes. Sometimes it's just he alone is interceding for you. He's a counselor. He'll speak to you. And what he speaks to you will line up with the truth. And the grace that you need. And his power will come to be a counselor in your life. He's a strengthener. That's just a neat word, isn't it? Strengthener. I'll be giving you that robe. Thank you, honey. He's a strengthener. When I was a kid, I had this weird thought in my head, okay, that if I took a piece of rope and I pulled hard enough up that I could hold myself up. Now, I may just discounted myself in your eyes, okay? It's like, that boy ain't too bright. <laughs> I wasn't bright, but my dad called me son. Okay, so no. But, but um, I did. I thought if I could, you know, because I could see it, the swing on the tree, and it's holding up me, you know, and surely I'm strong. I can, it's not possible <laughs> for me to pull on this rope with all my strength enough to hold myself up. So spiritually, why do we think it's possible for us to do it all by ourselves? He's a strengthener, amen? He's a strengthener. He he holds us up. He comes and he supports us and and it's that way with everything, you know? I, I, I know I'm in a ministry situation where I need to speak a word. I don't have the word, but I can rest in him and he's a strengthener and he'll bring that word, you know? In a situation where you need to pray a prayer for healing, and I don't have that gift of healing, but he does, and I have him. I told somebody one time, I have all the gifts of the Spirit, and they're like, well, aren't you cocky? I was like 20, 21, 22 years old. How many know you're cocky when you're 21, 20? right? I got all the gifts of the Spirit, but I was going somewhere with it, you know, and they said, no, and I said, no, no, I got the Holy Spirit, and actually, that was years ago back when we called him the Holy Ghost. We, we, we call him Holy Spirit now, which is a lot nicer. This ghost is kind of scary, right? <laughs> all people that have come to church in the last like 15 years are like, thank you for calling him spirit because ghost is weird. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I would say the Holy Ghost at the time. And, and, but it's like I have the Holy Spirit, and he has all his gifts. And if there's an issue and a need where a gift needs to come, he'll raise the gift up to meet the need. Because it's not about me. It's about God touching people. Or doing a work, or bringing a word, or whatever it is. Amen? Amen. And so I think that's a great way for us to live. I mean, I know I was only like 21, 22 years old, and I was being cocky. But the matter is, let's be more worried about the Holy Spirit in our life, and let him tend to his gifts. Does that make sense? And he'll bring those gifts forth, because he's a strengthener. And when you're weak, he'll bring the strength to do that ministry that you need. And then he's a standby. You're never alone. He's always right there with you. This is the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. And Jesus says that you've got to, I got to go. Right? If I don't, I won't be able to send him the Holy Spirit. And I want to send him so that you can be in close fellowship with him. Man, that's, that's what I want. The past few weeks we've been talking about this idea of, 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 of being a person that God would grab a hold of and use. And we saw Stephen and those other six early um, deacons in the church That God looked at. And they were people who the Bible says were full. Say full. We saw they were full of the spirit. It said they were full of the spirit and wisdom. It said they were full of grace and power. When you look at those things, they're full of wisdom. That's truth. They're full of grace. And they're full of power. Now, I want to be that. I believe God is still looking to fill people. Why? Because he wants to fill people to pour from people. Not out of your ability, you don't have enough to give. Man, I'm telling you, the last month, I, I have not had enough to give. I haven't. But I've had to lean in and let him pour in and pour out. Amen? And he's still doing that. He's still, he's still um, 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 filling people. To, I think there's a slide for that. Is it up there? Wait, yeah. God's still looking to fill people to pour from. You know, He's still doing that. And that's us. And Jesus, his early disciples, I mean, the ones that actually walked with him, heard his teachings firsthand. This is what he said to them. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father... Which he said, you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not for many days from now. So these disciples that believe in Jesus, disciples that have been following his teaching, been walking in his life, his grace. Now they're being invited to this place where God's going to pour out his power upon them. This baptism, um, scripture will call it a baptism of fire, not water, but fire, powerful. Something that, yeah, fire, it's hard to manage, it's hard to control, you know. There's, there's principles to fire. Tom Robson, a fireman here, and Joel, and, 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 and Aaron, and oh my gosh, we've got a lot of firemen here. Um, um, I'm going to forget somebody. Alex, where are you? Um, I, don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm forgetting everybody. I think we got like five or six firemen. There's principles to fire. But it's still kind of wild, though. It's still not something that we can completely control. And so this touch of the Holy Spirit, there's a promise for them. And these are people that have had this relationship with Jesus. And Jesus tells them, he doesn't say, I'm leaving, so go preach. He gives them the great commission. And then he looks to them and says, go wait. I mean, it's important for us to follow the great commission to go preach, right? I mean, that go into all the world and preach. Baptize, disciple. But I mean, he tells them in this moment, right before he leaves, the last thing he says to them... Go wait. Why? Because in verse 8 of Acts 1, it says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what happened. These people on that day of Pentecost received the power of the Holy Spirit, that touch, that baptism, and they begin to be a witness. And 2,000 years later, you're a part of the reaching of that witness to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen? Amen. And I love this. He says, you will be a witness to me. In other words, you will represent me. D- did Jesus not move in grace, truth, and power? He did. He did. He would speak truth to a Pharisee like that. Just boom. I love that. I like that he slams Pharisees and he loves and shows grace to sinners. Isn't that good? That's why I'm gonna be more mean to church folk. Non-teason. But he did, he did, you know, and then he would move in power. And it was perfectly blended and beautiful and and just, and he was an enigma to everyone. They just couldn't get it. How in the world does a super righteous man go and drink and eat with sinners, you know? How is this man that should know better, let a woman of ill repute kind of come and talk to him? I mean, it's because he had this perfect balance of grace and truth and power. And now he invites us, but we can't do that alone. We don't have the strength to do it alone, Amen. So he says, go, wait, and you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to baptize you. He's going to touch you. And when he gives you this touch, you will be, you shall be my witness. You will be my witness. You will represent me. Everybody say, I will represent him. Say it again. I will represent him. That makes me terrified. Am I alone in that? I just, that just freaks me out. I mean, I've been pastoring 26 years this month, and I'm still going, Lord, are you kidding me? I represent you. But in our weakness, he is strong. He gets us through. He uses us in spite of all. And when we lean to all, into all three, it happens. So what Jesus is saying here is, guys, listen. My early disciples, and he's saying it to us today. Guys, listen. It's not enough to know me. It's not enough to embrace me. It's not enough to be comfortable with me. There's another. There's another. And it's expedient that I go. If I don't go, he doesn't come. But if I go, he'll come. And when he comes, oh, man, he's going to do so many wonderful things in your life. But it's kind of weird. I know, I know. It'll be all right. We'll figure that out. But literally, Jesus is saying it's not enough to know Jesus, embrace Jesus, and be comfortable with Jesus. That almost sounds to me like... Heresy, But Jesus is saying it. I'm not saying it. Jesus is saying, don't just be satisfied with salvation and that you've got your eternity card stamped. Got something more for you. Don't be just satisfied with truth and grace. I want my power to be evident in you. I want you to be a witness. God wants you full and overflowing. And that has always been the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's work is a full and overflowing kind of work. It's just what it is. It's a full and overflowing kind of work. And <clears throat> there's, there's a problem in the church at large for centuries. I mean, not just now, but it, it, it's, it's called theological reductionism. Everybody say theological reductionism. And the idea around this, is okay if I just kind of talk a little? uh, The idea around reductionism is that, that you have a doctrinal point in Scripture, okay? And let's say that doctrinal point has seven or eight nuances. In the seven or eight nuances, three of them, I'm really not that comfortable with. So what I do with reductionism is I bring all this down to an oversimplified, finite statement. This really quick, this is the theology of the Holy Spirit, Just using this as an example. This is the theology of the Holy Spirit. And yet there's these things that we feel have just passed away. And so they're just not a part of our theology anymore. And so we reduce scripture down to that point. And it's it's reductionism, you know. It's an oversimplification bringing it down to a finite point. And it makes me sad. Because if the Bible says ten things about something, how would he know we ought to embrace ten things about something? But I don't understand it. And I don't get it. I don't care. (laughs) The Bible says it So we need to begin to embrace and understand it Okay And so when it comes down to it We need to do what the theologians will call um, We need to have a multi-perspectival view of scripture Everybody got You know you want to say it Multi-perspectival Say it one more time Multi You almost have to go like It's a multi-perspectival view of the scripture You know But I think you can understand what it means, the idea of uh, multiple perspectives. The scripture has multiple views on different things as far as here's this theology, here's this point, like the Holy Spirit. And if there's 10 things, we've got to have a view of all of those things. I would say it, it like this, it's keeping the whole counsel of the word of God. You know, I need a whole counsel of the word of God is what I need. I have no desire to create a construct of God that flows out of my ability to understand everything about him. Did you catch that? I don't want to create a construct of God that flows out of my ability to understand everything about him. I refuse to presume man's abilities or inabilities on the vastness of God. God can do some amazing things and it does confuse me. Why would he use signs and wonders? Why would he use gifts of the spirit? Why I don't know, but it's there, and all I know is it works. There's times like in my dad's life, salvation alone saved him, and he would have went to heaven with a family that was a miserable wreck, and I believe Daddy would have went to heaven. I do, but the power of God changed my dad. And taught us that we can lean in to this helper. We can lean into this advocate. We can lean in to this one that gives strength that's not our own. And it looks different, it looks weird, and but we can lean in, you know. So we need to have that multi-perspectival view where we embrace all that God's word says. And obviously, we can't do that today, but we're looking at it a little bit. There's some stuff God's word says that God can do that literally blows my mind, especially when he chooses to do these things through his people. The book of Acts, he's doing amazing things through his people, and he's still calling us to do amazing things. And That just blows my mind. Just because it's hard for me to grasp it, though, doesn't mean, number one, that it's not true. It's hard for me to grasp it. That doesn't mean it's not true. I just have a hard time grasping it. Amen? Number two, it shouldn't mean that I won't go after what he says I can go after. It shouldn't mean, just because I have a hard time grasping it, it shouldn't mean that, that I'm not going to go for it. I'm looking at it right here in this word of truth, and God, if you have more for me, pour it out. I mean, that's a good place for us to just start right now. Can we just close our eyes for a second and just hold our hands open like this? This is like a, a receptive posture. Lord, if you have more for us, just pour it out. Lord God, we don't want theatrics. We just want you, Jesus. We recognize we don't understand everything about you. We get that, God. But your word tells us there's this power that comes from you that's a part of who you are, your person, Lord God, that you want poured out into your people. And so, Lord God, we just hold our hands open like this to say to you right now, pour it out, Lord. Pour you out upon us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. As he pours out upon us, we have this anticipation, I do, of being full of grace and full of his truth and full of his power. I, I, I don't want to be satisfied being empty in all those areas, any of those areas. So I want to be full of his word. I want to be full of his life expression, that grace. Help me walk like you and talk like you, Jesus. But Lord God, I want filled too. I want to be full of your power. And all that comes from the person of the Holy Spirit. That full and overflowing lifestyle, both in the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the spirit when it comes to the idea of the fruit of the spirit okay over here we're gonna write fruit over here we're gonna write gifts when it comes to the idea of the fruit of the spirit this fruit is really the character who God is at work in our lives that's what it that's what the fruit of the spirit is and nobody has an issue in the church with the fruit of the spirit you don't see one person say, oh, you got to be careful of that joy. <laughs> that joy, man. Ooh, that wildfire of, of, of patience. Watch that wildfire of patience. Ooh, better be careful of that. But how many times you've heard, you got to be careful of those healing ministries. And I agree, they're charlatans. Hey, Amen. We've been in this town now 13 years, you know. That's not our, we're not charlatans when it comes to healing. We believe in it. But we're not going to say, hey, give us all your money so you get it. We just say, give us all your money, because <laughs> I'm just kidding, because <laughs> your pastor has five kids, and, <laughs> and your associate pastors have three and three. Man, it's a prolific breeding bunch in this, in this house. <laughs> so so um, one of the parts of the fruit is righteousness, so we'll, we'll step back. And <laughs> we'll, but, no, but nobody ever has problems with the fruit of the Spirit, do they? Got to watch out for them tongue-talking churches. And you're right. There's a lot of tongue-talking churches that get really weird. Thank God we're not that. Amen? So you got, but, but you never hear that about the fruit. So the fruit of the Spirit is God's, it's God's character at work in us, whereas the gifts of the Spirit, that's his power at work in us. Amen? So you've got God's character and God's power at work in his church. And guess what? Jesus wants both in play. He wants you to look like him in character, but he wants you to walk and act out of his power. And so he says, it's expedient that I go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit so that you can go be a witness like me. So that you can do what I do. You can, you can move in the ministry that I moved in. You can't do it without the power of God. But embrace the Holy Spirit and watch what happens. Amen. And so the character of God, again, you can go to Galatians 5, and 23 and look at the fruit of the Spirit. But when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you'll see that the purpose of the gifts are so that you can know supernaturally, so that you can speak supernaturally, and so that you can do supernaturally. Not so that you can be weird, speak weird, and act weird. No, it's so that you can do supernaturally, you know? Spiritually does not mean weird. It's different. I get that. But it doesn't have to be spooky and weird. So when it comes to knowing supernaturally, I'm not going to teach on these today because we're going to get right back into the ministry of the Spirit. But when it comes to it, you can look up discernment and word of wisdom and word of knowledge When it comes to knowing supernaturally, things that you would not know at all unless the Holy Spirit quickened in your spirit those things. You can look up when it comes to speaking supernaturally, prophecy, speaking a known language under the unction of the Lord. God stirs your heart. I think God is saying this. And that's a good posture to have when you speak prophetically. That's grace. Amen. I believe God's speaking this to me. You know? And then let people judge it by truth and through the power of God. Rather than God said this, you better live it. Better change everything about, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, we're going to stop there. Gets balanced with grace, amen. And then to, 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 to speak in tongues would be to speak a, a language unknown to the speaker. And that can be a, a missional thing. We've had people that the testimony of scripture shows this, bears this out in the day of Pentecost. And also even in modern times where people have been in some place, they didn't speak a language and tongues went forth. And somebody that spoke that language heard it and was like, that's my language. And it was a witness to them. The speaker didn't know it though. And then also we understand and know that the Bible talks of the tongues of angels, and if you don't have what? Love. If you don't have this fruit in play, it's like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 says, right? So, so the tongues of angels. So there's a heavenly language that I guess is God and ease. <laughs> that's this communication that takes place in the glories, in the heavenlies. And he gives us this little nuance of that. And that's tongues and And sometimes you know what you're saying. That's like that interpretation. Sometimes you don't. You're just making intercession as the Holy Spirit speaks. But it's unknown to both the hearer and the speaker. um, Or both, I'm sorry, it's unknown to the speaker, you know. And so then if it's going to be known, then you can see the interpretation of tongues. And so if it's going to be known, God's like, hey, I need this to be known. And so I'm going to give an interpretation of what that was said. And then you know what happens with that? That's called prophecy. Tongues and interpretation together is prophecy. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 14 will teach you, okay? So, um, I love it because chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14 talks about regulating the gifts of the Spirit. And chapter 13 talks about fruit, about love, and how you can move in all this power, but if you don't have love, you lost it all. Why? every shout, power, grace, truth. Power, grace, truth. I want to be a power, grace, truth kind of ministry, man. Um, I'll I'll share this just kind of anecdotally. Um, In my life, the way tongues and interpretation works often is I'll do like Paul. He says, I pray in the spirit and I pray with understanding. And a lot of times that's just my prayer life. So I'll begin to pray in tongues by myself. Nobody's around. Just praying. And then I get a quickening and I start to pray in English because I know what to pray now. And I start to pray it. Sometimes when I'm ministering for people at the altar, you'll see me turn my head. I'm praying in the spirit. I'm not doing it for show. It's not for you between me and God but I'm tapping in I'm just being honest and then all of a sudden a word of knowledge comes and I start to pray something specific or a word of wisdom comes I start to pray something of a counseling kind of sense sense wisdom is that application of knowledge but it's something that's not smarter than me most of the time you know it's like man that's God I'm just using that anecdotally that's how it works in my life I think everybody works different ways You know, it would take us weeks and weeks and weeks to teach this stuff. But just to get us a a start, this is a good start. Amen? And so when it comes to doing supernaturally, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, and working of miracles, God still wants to do those things in the earth today. Amen? Amen. Yes, he does. And so as we come working toward the close here, um, there's a man that I know named Jeff. Um, He's a, a church plant director out of Pennsylvania. Um, amazing man of the faith. And he, he wrote a book recently called Power for Life. And in the book, here's what he said. He said, what we have in our lives without the power of the Holy Spirit is simply not enough. That's what he said. What we have in our lives without the power of the Holy Spirit, it's simply not enough. We've we all faced things in our lives that cause us to admit, what I have right now is just not enough. What I'm walking right now is just simply not enough. And there may be people in this room today or there's addictions that you've tried to overcome. And you're like, it's just, it's just not enough. I can't get past this. Depressing circumstances that drag you down. Or, or maybe it's family or relationship issues that leave you frustrated and confused. And, you know, we'll, we'll sing songs in here like, just one word. You know, we just need a word from the Lord and stuff. Guess where that word comes from so often? From his body. Somebody else. God speaks something to their heart, and they're there with you. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I just feel like the Lord wants me to tell you this. And it lands on your heart, and you're like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And next thing you know, the gift of faith rises to believe that word. And next thing you know, it starts to shape and change your life. So a, a, a person's connected to the Spirit. God places within him this word of knowledge. That word of knowledge goes to a person that's in need. It bears witness with them. The gift of Spirit, the gift, rather, of faith rises up in that person to believe And next thing you know, the gift of a working of a miracle takes place. But that doesn't happen if we're just satisfied. I'm saved, and I'm on my way to heaven, and that's all that matters. It it happens when we go, I'm leaning into the Spirit. I want to learn the Spirit. I want to know His voice. I want to hear His leading. I want to be able to decipher if it's my mind or His truth. I want to be sure that when it comes, I do it out of a heart of grace. It's not coming out ugly. It'll take us our lifetimes to learn this, and that's okay. But I'm just telling you right now that we can lean in and expect his power to be present in this house today. Maybe it's habits that you struggle to break, and you're like, what I'm doing just simply isn't enough. Maybe it's needs that you have that you just feel like, God, I just can't see those needs ever being met, and I don't have strength in my heart, and he comes and he strengthens you through his spirit. Maybe it's a vision and a dream that you have for the future, and you're going, there's no way that's possible. I can't see the connecting points. And you begin to seek God in prayer and the word of wisdom, how to apply truth to your life to get you to that connecting point rises up in you or from somebody to you. Isn't that awesome? But I believe it all comes from a place of expectancy. Let's stand to our feet. It comes from a place of, like we had our hands open like this, God, what do you have for us? I think that's where it comes from. That spot, that place. That place. And I know for me, and I'm not going to go into my story too much, but man, I'm telling you, I'm short, fat, picked on, just being honest, you know, I know what it's like to be the minority, you know, I do, I know it's like, do you? I don't know what it's like to face prejudice every day, no, but I know what it's like to be a short, fat, white kid in an almost all black school, and when you're 12, 13 years old, I'm going to tell you, it's not easy big old thick glasses and corduroy pants that went hey, 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 hey. <laughs> just being honest man when your friends are like walk around in circles so we can beatbox to your britches you get picked on <laughs> and I'm just being honest at 13 years old March, <laughs> March must be something I just realized that was March too at an altar seeking God power of God touched me, and, and old timers would call it stammering lips, I had stammering lips, I'm just crying, you know, my lips are stammering, you know, a few weeks later I'm in my bedroom, and I'm just, just down, I'm depressed, I don't, I never, I didn't feel like I'm never going to be enough, and I'm in my bedroom, I start praying, and the power of God hit me in my bedroom, and I began to pray in tongues, and it poured out of me, like, for a good hour or two, just, it just blew my mind as a 13-year-old. And that summer, I preached my first sermon. I don't count that as the first time I ever preached. I mean, I'd count what, March of 92, I started preaching. But man, a boldness came to me that was separate from how I looked or how I act or how people treated me. Because I can't tell you how many times I heard, shut up, Ross. You're so stupid. Shut up. But under the moving of the Holy Spirit, God would bring life. And That's been my story. Just leaning in. Never feeling like enough. But under the moving of the Holy Spirit, he's always enough. Amen? Self-dependency is the enemy of the supernatural life. If you feel like you have enough, you'll never walk in the supernatural. Self-dependency is the enemy of the supernatural life. And Jesus was letting his disciples know that they were going to need more. Shout more. And with it, he told them, go Wait. Why? Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witness. For the church this day, this day of Pentecost, this was the day they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was the gateway for them to live out the supernatural in their lives. And I don't believe that has changed 2,000 years later. That pressing into the Holy Spirit is still the gateway to living the supernatural in our lives. And on that day, 2,000 years ago, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all in one room, in accord, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they were appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Received ideas of tongues. So, can we let our minds go back to that? They had no, they weren't looking for a tongue. They they were just obedient to what Jesus told them. The purpose was to receive power, not a tongue. That, That wasn't in their mind. They're just being obedient to open themselves up. God, what do you have for me? The whole tongue thing was just kind of a neat touch. God still uses it. Here's the thing that's so cool about that idea of the tongue that Jesus, he was able to get a hold of Peter, the same man who, with his tongue, rebuked Jesus, to the point that Jesus had to tell Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Peter had a problem with his tongue. And then you see Jesus, you see Peter denying Jesus three times with what? His tongue. I think it's kind of hilarious that now his tongue is being led by the Holy Spirit and he's speaking in a way under the submission of God that he doesn't quite understand and God begins to do a work in him and within minutes that shifts and he begins to preach in the language that he needed to preach that the people there would understand and with it the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit comes and begins with boldness, that preaching through him and that first sermon, 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. Amen. And that begins a book that we study out called the Acts. You know the book of Acts? No, it's, it's the book of Acts of the apostles. It's Acts of the sent ones. It's Acts of those that gather in that upper room and and went with the power of God that reached more people that leaned in and got touched and went with the power of God that 2,000 years later there are people in this room right now under a promise from God that if we'll come to these altars and we'll seek him that he'll pour out his spirit on us the same way you know why? because he's still sending people he's still filling and sending people we're still in the apostolic age God's still filling and sending us to do the mighty works of Acts. Amen? So I'm going to let us just back into worship. And these altars are open. If you want prayer, come forward and pray. We're going to seek God for a little bit in this house. Amen? And just anticipate a touch from the Lord. We'll pray for we'll really hands on you. Some of our ministry team come up. You know, Eddie and Tricia come up. You know, Al and Linda come up. I'm um, 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 um. Yeah, yeah, Nancy and Jim, come up here. And just the different ones, we're just going to begin to pray for people, amen? So let's press in. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.